the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Classified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take that journey back in time and head back to the New Generation era of the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, preparing for this topic today makes me yearn for those days, and I miss them oh so very much. The simpler times of being a wrestling fan, although I will say I did thoroughly enjoy uh, parts of the uh, WrestleMania festivities that took place uh, this past weekend, which pointing out a little thing I mentioned a few weeks ago in the Hall of Fame uh, episode I did for New Generation Declassified, uh, the Steiner brothers got in, and although they had a very small and uh, very, I guess, simplified speech, nonetheless, they got in. I'd say they would be the perfect Hall of Famers to represent the new generation. And their very short time in the WWF helped their induction. But now I guess WWE looks at the whole uh, grand scheme of your career rather than just focusing on your WWF days. Like we had pointed out, they've done in years past. Uh, we're going to talk about something today that there's not that much information out there about. But this is going to carry into next week's episode that we already have kind of teed up uh, behind the scenes and are ready to pull the trigger on. Uh, and I'll talk about what that topic is going to be uh, as we uh, get to the meat and potatoes of today's episode. Uh, but I want to talk about Radio WWF. That's right. The radio show of the World Wrestling Federation, Radio WWF. Now, there's only a little information out there about Radio WWF in the uh, interwebs, in the Google machine. Uh, but if you look around enough, you can piece things together. And also, if you were around during that time, you remember when Radio WWF was a thing. Now, it was very short-lived. It only lasted about a year and change. It was on very select uh, radio uh, providers or radio stations or radio affiliates. Um, it wasn't the only time that they would kind of go down the radio route. They did revive this in the early part of the 2000s. But what people most famously know of when they talk about radio WWF is the pay-per-views. I believe the ones where I'm really going to uh, point out their existence is – I, I think it's from SummerSlam 93 through Survivor Series 93 to Royal Rumble 94. And I'm pretty positive WrestleMania 10. There was a secondary broadcast of the radio WWF, which brought to you the pay-per-view, which as you know, a youngster and growing up, I was fascinated by that. I remember just being absolutely taken by the fact that, wait a second, you trying to tell me if I can find this radio station that has radio WWF, I don't have to order the pay-per-view. I don't have to try to convince my parents to part with their $39.99 or $49.99 or whatever it was going to be. Uh, and all I had to do was find the uh, radio station. Well, a little easier said than done. Uh, this radio entity was in so little of uh, markets that it was hard to figure out where in God's name you could actually find it. 
And as I've done the research about Radio WWF, it seems like I wasn't alone in thinking that exact same thing. This might be a good alternative to hearing or watching the pay-per-view is hearing it on uh, the radio. Um, but it was on so <laughs> few stations that if you found it, consider yourself one of the lucky ones and go play the lottery because that's about as uh, much of a chance as you had of finding a radio WWF broadcast back in the day. Now, what I always like to throw out to you is if you do remember something like this or you do remember something that we cover, please, by all means, let me know about it because I'm dying to find out more in terms of what's available for radio WWF. There's only one broadcast on YouTube, and it's a part of the Royal Rumble 1994. It sounds awesome. It's Gorilla Monsoon and and Jim Ross on the commentary. They show them up in the rafters. They show them doing the broadcast. Uh, I believe it's Survivor Series 93. They were right next to the broadcast booth, and uh, there was a little interaction between Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan um, in the Survivor Series pay-per-view. Um, but this is Royal Rumble 94. The broadcast is on YouTube. It's only a part. It's about 45 minutes. It is nothing short of epic and i've listened to it twice and it is just you get lost in the fact that you know you can listen to it back in the day and and it's an alternative commentary to a pay-per-view i've seen a thousand times and just the little anecdotes of the good old jr and gorilla monsoon together just oh my goodness a recipe for success uh radio wwf definitely had it come 25 years later you would have heard it on satellite radio uh, because that's how innovative the WWF was when it came to creating concepts like this. Um, just in terms of the information that's out there about it, uh, Bruce Pritchard has a segment about it from one of the podcasts that he does. Um, I believe it was uh, something to wrestle with, and it might have been an episode about the Macho Man or Hulk Hogan. Uh, the clip is on YouTube where they kind of explain um, a little bit of what was going on with Radio WWF. He goes on to say that I believe it was the blog talk radio founder that worked with the WWF to help uh, launch their radio endeavors, uh, complete with, you know, a full blown, um, you know, just switchboard and the headset. I mean, it looked fantastic. It looked like it would look like at a, at a baseball game if you saw your radio announcers or a hockey game if you saw radio announcers. Uh, but there's just so little out there in terms of the shows that are available that you can you can search YouTube or Daily Motion or just in Google and look for videos or audios and the only thing that you're able to find is the Royal Rumble 94 track which again it's only about 45 minutes of one show um now WCW did this in around 97 98 uh they were broadcasting house shows um for I think like 395 or something on their website but you know who was able to stream that kind of stuff on, on your computer in, in 97, 98, but also they always had the call in shows on WCW, you know, and, and they were very good with that, but also, you know, bite this came in 99, 2000 and was a web-based show. And I remember again, I could never stream bite this. It was always so choppy and I would just kind of get bored with trying to uh, listen to a few minutes of it. And very few memorable segments came out of bite this outside of the, uh, the Austin walking out, uh, being probably the top one where uh, Vince McMahon, you know, talks about how pissed he is about uh, Austin leaving. 
But the radio WWF uh, is going to cross over into next week's episode. I have a guest lined up to break down the most controversial moment to come out of radio WWF, which I, you know, I'm definitely thinking back, heard it before, but I got to read it today. And man, oh man, I, I cannot wait to talk about this on the next episode. Uh, the transcript of the Macho Man Randy Savage on Radio WWF with hosts Jim Ross and Johnny Polo, where for the first time, and this is where we can kind of open the discussion about what Radio WWF was supposed to be. For the first time, the Macho Man lets his hair down and shoots. I mean, and legit, this is a shoot in, in every sense of the word as it relates to wrestler on wrestler uh <laughs> blow-by-blow attack uh, on one another. And this is where the Macho Man opens up on Hulk Hogan uh, for the steroid admission on the Arsenio Hall show and and basically uh, ripping him for tearing apart his marriage to Elizabeth and detailing the story that we've heard from Hulk Hogan on some documentaries about maybe why the Elizabeth Macho Man uh, marriage broke up um, I'm going to save the, the juicy part, but I'm just going to say that uh, if this is what Radio WWF was supposed to be, again, it was ahead of its time by many, many years. Now, I think of Livewire, right? I talked to Jeff Lane, had to be about a year and a half ago, about Livewire and how it was you know, a few years too soon. Um, WWF or WWE would do the confidential show that let you behind the scenes. Livewire took you in front of the camera with some of the behind the scenes stuff. It was a little more edgy, uh, but radio WWF was really supposed to be an open forum where you could talk about anything. You could talk about other promotions. You could talk about guys that aren't feuding with each other and maybe past stuff that the WWF would be a little more kayfabe about on Monday night raw. Um, but they kind of had Jim Ross in the driver's seat because Jim Ross was an experienced radio announcer. He had radio gigs basically throughout his whole entire career. He worked for the Atlanta Falcons. He worked for the NFL. He always had a radio show going in the Atlanta area when he worked for WCW, uh, including having a wrestling radio show at one point. So him being the absolute perfect voice of radio WWF gives it credibility because the way JR's voice used to sound was a lot more catered to the radio style. He had a more high pitch and had a traditional just kind of uh, cadence to him that is more along the lines of your traditional radio host, where by the time he took the main seat in the Attitude Era, which is only four to five years after Radio WWF, you know, the voice had a little bit more uh, traveling, uh, you know, it had done. Uh, he obviously had some of his medical issues, but his voice got a little more gruff. It got a little more sharper, I would say, but not in the traditional sense of what you want to listen to on the radio. When he had a more high pitched tone to his voice, I-, I thought he was perfect. I mean, he just he sounded great. Um, if you listen to him on the old WCW broadcast and some of his early WWF stuff, I, I love the way he sounds on the air, too. But just something about the the hearing it on the radio. And you'll hear if you listen to the YouTube clip that I'll put in the comments, um, you can listen to a four hour broadcast of, of Jim Ross if you are so inclined to ever want to try to do that. Um, but also Gorilla Monsoon, you know, he sounds exactly the same like he would on a, a traditional WWF pay-per-view broadcast, except for the fact he does take a major backseat to 
JR giving the play-by-play, which you got to do. But when they when they initially came up with this concept, it was to broadcast pay-per-views as well as have shoot talk and have fans opening up and discussing things going on, not just in the WWF, but in pro wrestling. Um, and where I saw that to be the truth is looking through some of the uh, transcripts and some of the reviews of WWF radio shows. Um, people talk about how they Jim Ross would go, go into detail about things going on in WCW, going as far as to uh, challenge WCW employees to call in and uh, and kind of you know jab with them. And uh, there's a rumor, and then I would love to get this uh, corroborated or not, that the Disco Inferno used to call into the show and kind of poke fun at some of the stuff going on in the WWF. Um, and uh, if that's true or not, I would love to hear a clip of it, but there's nothing out there. It doesn't matter how hard you look. This is like one of those things. If you go into YouTube and look for lost media, you know, you see t- episodes of television shows, you see uh, video game concepts that never made it to production. You see cartoons that were raw and, and, and not fully animated that this is what it was supposed to look like. There's not much in the vein of wrestling lost media And I have to say, having this as maybe one of the top things, you know, people might say over the edge 99 is lost media. I I think that it's not that it's lost. I think WWF just does a great way of keeping that away from, you know, people that are going to exploit, you know, the tragic death of Owen Hart. This is lost media. This is somewhere out there. Somebody recorded it and they've got it on a cassette in their attic and they don't know what to do with it. Well, I'm also going to throw this gauntlet out there. I've got a cassette to digital uh, converter. If you've got something that you might think I want to hear, send it to the chat, sir. We will convert it and we will post it and we will all get to kind of bask in the glory that is these lost broadcasts. I mean, this is stuff they would bring on the WWF superstars. They would have a little bit of the in-character stuff and then you might catch them off guard and they might start being a little more uh, like themselves. Uh, Raven, Johnny Polo was also a co-host at one point with Jim Ross and, you know, he played still the Johnny Polo character, but he interjected a lot of what we know now about hearing, you know, a Raven shoot interview or, you know, of course the Raven effect on creative control network, big shout out to, uh, Joe Feeney and, uh, Raven and Rich Bikini and all the, uh, the great folks that make that show possible, um, but you got to hear him on this radio WWF. That would be something again. I would love to ask Raven about what does everybody remember about this? Did they think it was dumb? See, and that's another great question for people listening. What do you, would you listen to the WWF on the radio? Am I just that much of a mark for radio, uh, as a medium that I would love to listen to wrestling on the radio? I mean, sometimes it depends on who the, uh, the announcer is. I'll take a good baseball broadcast on the radio versus on the television it's just uh my new york mets have the best tv booth in the game so it's hard to not listen to them on television but if i had the choice and it was a better broadcast i'm going to take the radio is that just me am i like rue am i a radio guy am i going to want radio 24 7 if i listen to old school wrestling or is it just this is it just something from this time frame that might have worked uh really well now um, when they tried it in the 2000s, it did not last long. I think Michael Cole might have been the, uh, the the prime voice, him and Jonathan Coachman, sharing the, uh, the duties of the uh, radio WWF in the 2000s. But, you know, 
I don't know. There's something about Michael Cole and uh, Jonathan Coachman that doesn't really uh, wet my whistle as it re, uh, relates to radio broadcasts. Um, and, and, you know, something about JR with Gorilla Monsoon, just that combination on paper. You know, there's a few of them with the uh, Coliseum video releases where they're paired, and they're fantastic. You know, they're two Hall of Fame uh, personalities that get to play off one, uh, one another in a really uh, natural environment. And in that Royal Rumble 94 broadcast, you know, you, you get to listen to a lot of the little things when you listen to a radio broadcast and you, you get to hear the music is a little less, you know, hard, a little less uh, clear. It's a little harder to hear. Uh, you hear the crowd pretty well. You know, the crowd is always very well mic'd. Um, but it's that you do hear that roar of the crowd. You know, they, they definitely pot it down a little bit, but you hear that roar of the crowd and it's got a different feel to it on the, uh, on the radio broadcast. Um, and, and looking at where could we have found some of these radio WWF, uh, broadcasts, I was able to get a small little sample of where radio WWF may have been heard in your, uh, your listening area. And if you were in the St. Louis area, you got to hear it on your AM dial. I was trying to figure out where the heck did I see it? Let's see here. I have in front of me presently um, choice 102.3 WSWO back in 1993, 1994 broadcast the radio WWF. They ran every single one of the shows uh says that Jim Ross hosted the first few months and eventually Vince McMahon took over after JR was fired. Uh, this gentleman says here he believes the last broadcast of a pay-per-view was WrestleMania 10 and the quality of the show dropped off a cliff when JR left. So now that gives you a little bit uh, of another kind of interesting little dynamic. You know, what did Vince McMahon bring to the table? in the caller uh, driven segments, you know, was it just strictly kayfabe was Vince looking for feedback? You know, was he, was he trying to get a vibe of what fans really wanted to, uh, to listen to? Uh, but yeah, choice 102.3 WSWO trying to find the call letters of WSWO to see where they might be. I think it could be the twin cities, but let's see what we got. WSWO is in oh dayton ohio okay interesting well look at you in the midwest you lucky ducks you got to hear radio wwf on a regular basis you got to get every single one of the pay-per-view broadcast uh the other one is am 550 in st louis missouri uh this uh contributor says that they remember jim ross lord alfred hayes and gorilla monsoon on the early episodes it was exciting because they mentioned WCW happenings occasionally. This is when I first heard about Sid Vicious and Arn Anderson's knife incident. Jim Ross reported it on Radio WWF. Also, this is where I read the Disco Inferno quote. The Disco Inferno was a regular caller and would make challenges to WWF superstars. It was interesting when he ended up debuting on WCW programming a short time later. Towards the end of its run, it was hosted by Johnny Polo. Raven and Stan Lane. So how about that? You know, not bad. Oh, we got another radio station coming in. Uh, oh, WCW show was on WSB radio in Atlanta. So that's where 
um, we would hear Jim Ross uh, for for a little bit of time. Um, and I'm not taking away from the W uh, the wrestling themed radio shows of the late 80s and early 90s. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you know Vicious Vince's uh, you know World of Wrestling or whatever it was or John Arezzi's show or or Wade Keller's um program he had that was syndicated on on affiliates across the country i'm talking about the freaking wwf having a having a, pro, a a platform to broadcast their monster machine and again if this is a down period they're thinking outside the box and they're thinking about what are we going to do to reach these fans that left and if this was something that they felt was going to be you know the way to do it you know unfortunately radio wouldn't be a um you know, a, a long lasting medium. It's, it's on its way down the toilet now, but it could have had a nice run. You know, it could have had uh, a, a good little uh, uh, rise through the, uh, the years, but it looks like they pulled the plug. Here's another uh, contributor says Cleveland sports station, AM 1220 WHK carried radio WWF from January 94 through the end of August. Uh, there was always some form of tongue in cheek on the show. Once Jim Ross disappeared in early 1994, though Vince McMahon did try to steer the show back to selling the product instead of clowning around and inside jokes. By WrestleMania 10, Vince also stopped as um, the lead announcer on the show after only a handful of weeks. Uh, after that, Howard Finkel took over as sort of the babysitter of the program, though he didn't host it. The hosts of the uh, show from April to August were Johnny Polo and Stan Lane. They had been there prior, but when Vince went away, the mice began to play, mainly Polo, uh, but Lane as well would spend the entire two hours amusing themselves with insider jokes, puns, and even as they interviewed wrestlers. Many times it was questionable how a sober <laughs> how sober some of these guys were. It made for great comedy. Uh, it was evident nobody in the higher-ups was paying attention to the show at that point because they were getting away with a lot of things. Um, please somebody find me uh, a radio WWF clip. I mean, that's, that's freaking priceless in 1994 that you're getting that kind of quality product out of the corny, you know, nobody's watching it. WWF, you know, you're getting insider stuff. And now that's where I've heard in the past that Howard Finkel had a large part of the radio. WWF was doing a stump the Finkel style uh, show because as everybody know, Howard Finkel was a walking encyclopedia of WWF knowledge. Um, but I'm going to play a little bit of it at the end here. I'm obviously not going to play, you know, the, uh, the 40 minutes, but I want you to get a feel for what it actually sounded like, uh, as we get ready to sign off. Um, uh, but really, again, I'm just going to play a couple minutes on the out. Um, just so you know, look, this was a thing, you know, this was pretty cool, but I want you to go out and listen to it for yourself and take that investment of time, listen to the 45 minutes and get to know, what radio WWF was all about. I'm going to try to play just a little piece of it. Uh, if I can, uh, just so you can really, uh, just experience it. Cause I mean, I love it, but next week is going to be an awesome discussion about the macho man's interview from, uh, uh, excuse me, October, 1993, where, uh, the wrestling flyer newsletter covered in full detail with the transcript Randy Savage's appearance on the show hosted by Jim Ross and Johnny Polo. This looks awesome. And I can't wait to uh, share parts of this transcript 
We're going to dig through some of the quotes. We're going to go through the meat and potatoes. Again, it's new generation, so it counts. You know, uh, although we get to talk about some of the, uh, you know, the more golden era personalities, this happened during the new generation. And I'll tell you what, it really kind of tells you a lot about where the Macho Man really was at that point and why, for whatever reason, Vince McMahon did not see the Macho Man continuing to be a marketable superstar in the organization uh, after you find out what was going on on that um, episode of Radio WWF you're going to ask yourself the same question because the macho man had a lot to give and he has a lot to say and it is uh pretty freaking cool. Uh, just exactly what we're going to go over here uh, very, very shortly about a week away. So there you go on the next episode of new generation declassified um, again, radio WWF short lived, but uh pretty damn cool i mean it just it, it's maybe it's me again as a radio dork and the fact that i just i love everything about radio i have still a bunch of cassettes and i recorded during my time as just a, a a kid sitting in my room recording stuff off the radio bumpers uh music breaks commercial beds just wanting to know everything there was about the radio industry um, and seeing, you know, that radio is not the way to go anymore. You know, if you want to make it, you get into podcasting. You don't go into radio in the same manner that you used to. And that stinks, but it's just the way of the world. I mean, I can't even tell you the last time I turned on the radio that I have in my car. It's always plugged into my phone or I actually found my iPod that I haven't uploaded uh, anything new to since 2013. And uh, although my music taste hasn't differed very much. Uh, I was very organized back then because it was quite the uh, the alphabetized catalog on my iPod. Uh, so pretty sweet that I was that uh, that good with it. But I love radio. Uh, I love radio WWF. I want more. Please find more. Help me find more. If anybody out there has a lead to to some uh, clips or has something clipped, share it. Don't don't hoard it. We all want to hear it. It's lost media. We need to talk more about it. There needs to be more than three things on YouTube about Radio WWF because uh, this, to me, is an absolute hidden gem of the new generation era. So not that much more to cover here. This was definitely a shorter episode, but that's fine. Go finish the rest of your day. Get on with your uh, your life. Uh, we will sign off, but before we say goodbye, I'll throw my plugs out, but before we say goodbye, I will play this little bit of uh, Radio WWF so you get a feel for it. And uh, maybe you'll see just what I'm talking about um, with how great the radio WWF was. So before I say goodbye with all the official plugs, here's a little piece of radio WWF. of the WWF Royal Rumble. I'm Jim Ross, everyone, alongside Gorilla Monsoon. And Gorilla, this is the sixth Royal Rumble on pay-per-view.
for the WWF, and by all accounts, it's going to be the greatest of all time. It is hot indeed. It is electric here in the Providence Civic Center. And why? Because every title is up for grabs here in the World Wrestling Federation. And besides that, the winner of the Royal Rumble itself will get an opportunity at WrestleMania 10 to meet whomever is the WWF champion in Madison Square Garden. Ladies and gentlemen, the Tatanka tonight will take on Bam Bam Bigelow. Ludwig Borga has been injured. The 1-2-3 kid is also out. Uh, the WWF Royal Rumble matchup itself, as Gorilla Monsoon said, every championship on the line plus the all-important 30-man over-the-top rope Royal Rumble. We're happy you're here with us on this great radio station. We will be back. The Royal Rumble continues. You're listening to Radio WWF. Now bring all the excitement of the World Wrestling Federation to your home with Hasbro's all-new superstar lineup of realistic action figures. Alex Macho Man Randy Savage, The Undertaker, Razor Ramon, Tatanka, and the evil Papa Shango. There's 20 in all, each with his own powerful wrestling moves. And for real wrestling action, you need the official WWF ring with spring action ropes and championship belt. With Hasbro's new WWF collection, you make the moves and you decide who rules. With WWF figures, you're always a winner. And we are back here, ladies and gentlemen, Jim Ross and Gorilla Monsoon, back here with you at the WWF Royal Rumble. Tatanka has already been introduced, and here comes his opponent for the evening, the beast from the east, Bam Bam Bigelow. And, of course, Gorilla Monsoon, wherever Bam Bam Bigelow travels, so does his main squeeze, the ever-lovely folks, Luna Bashan. The lunatic. Bam Bam, as big as ever. Well over that 400-pound mark, perhaps hovering near five. Got a Luna is all decked out in red, and of course, Bam Bam's tights have red in them as well. And did you notice, Jim Ross, that the Native American Tataka has a new headdress? A very uh, spectacular-looking headdress worn to the ring by Tataka. The you gotta love that. Oh, that was so great. Just a taste. Go find the clip. It's on YouTube. Again, I'll drop it in the comments of this uh, this listing so you can check it out. Uh, and you can come back next week for the next installment of New Generation Declassified where we talk about the Macho Man's appearance on the October 1993 edition of Radio WWF. Uh, so if you want to follow me, it's at Chad ENB on uh, Twitter. On Instagram, it's at IB Exclusives. My website is ibexclusives.com. There you'll find all my listings for my autograph signings coming up. Uh, this website is tmptempire.com. Check out all the awesome content John has coming your way under the two-man power trip of wrestling umbrella. Uh, so many great podcasts and such a great contribution to the wrestling world, this TMPT Empire feed. So stay locked and loaded to that every single week. Uh, we will get out of here. I hope you enjoy this episode, and we will, as always, catch you on the flip side. Thanks, Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.